You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. Remember about our unfundraiser going on now, and we'll stop as soon as we get to $281,000 in contributions. Think about the programming that we have here on WDET. Shows like Detroit Today or Morning Edition, our new midday show about culture and music. Wonderful stuff that uh, you listen to. Maybe not every day, but uh, most of the week. Uh, these shows need your support to stay on the air. Uh, so go to WDT.org and donate for the first time or renew your support. And when we hit $281,000, we'll stop asking you for money. Uh, up next, uh, racism is America's original sin and must be named as such. That's the assertion made in a new book by a white social justice activist, preacher, and author, Jim Wallace. Wallace makes the argument that race and racism are the American story and a part of who we all are, historically and still to this day. He says it's a truth we need to confront, even if or when it makes us uncomfortable. Wallace argues in his new book that, quote, there still is no safe space for black people in America, and that must change absolutely unequivocally and fundamentally in every aspect of American life. If you listen to this show frequently, you know that these are messages that resonate pretty strongly with things that we talk about here. Uh, I talk a lot about the racial moment that I think we're having in America where there is renewed attention and recognition of the power of race, the power of power, and how they play out in uh, current narratives that connect to America's history. Uh, Jim Wallace uh, is someone who uh, is is uh, much more knowledgeable about these things uh, than I am and has spent his life working on these issues, working I would say maybe to get us to this point uh, in America now where we are talking about race in a different way uh, with a deeper recognition of the connection between history and the present. Uh, if you want to give us a call, uh, join the conversation. 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, what do you think is the, the call to us as Americans now to talk about race and racism? What do you think about words like white privilege uh, and uh, slavery and uh, social justice? Uh, Do these words bother you? They make you uncomfortable when people bring them up? Or are you saying, look, we need to talk about these things and not just talk, but get to the action stage where we're trying to send uh, life in this country in a different direction? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. And Jim Wallace, welcome to Detroit Today. It's great to be here. You know, I'm from Detroit. Yes, you are a native. uh, And and, and my, my, my brother who works at NSO, Neighborhood Service Organization, and lots of people say that, that you're terrific. So I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad to be. Well, flattery will glad get to you be everywhere. Show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, for noting that. Uh, let's talk about uh, your book, mm-hmm. just the, the, the title, uh, America's Original Sin, Racism, White Privilege, and the Bridge to a New America. I'm not sure you could put another hot-button word in that <laughs> title. <laughs> um, and, and sort of where I want to start the conversation is, is with that idea of those being difficult words for people to say, for people to hear, 
and for people to engage in meaningful conversation about what they mean historically and what they mean now. Really, your book, uh, as I said in the open, is uh, and your work uh, over a long period of time is about trying to push us, all of us, uh, into that space where it is okay to talk about these things and it is okay to think about those things. And even when we are uncomfortable, uh, we sort of push through and say, this is important. This is about justice. And therefore, mm-hmm. we've got we've to we've deal with it. You know, it's been interesting to have these really town meetings. The book events become town meetings. We're having one on Sunday here in Detroit, around the country, 26 cities so far. Uh-huh. And they've been very multiracial, multicultural, but also intergenerational, very, very broad in the generations. And, you know, I walk away from those conversations feeling actually quite hopeful about the energy and the honesty that I'm feeling and we're always asking, what does it mean in this city, in this town? Yeah. And then I go home to where I'm staying or a hotel, and I watch the national conversation. <laughs> and it's so alarming, depressing, and scary. But we're at, as you say, well, this moment. This is a moment. And I think, as the kids tell me, we got to get the story right. I mean, if we're just talking about race as if there's some sort of neutral territory here and we just need to be nice to each other, we've got to get the story right. And the original sin, it isn't just slavery because there were other slaveries. The Greeks were slaves to the sure. Romans, but the Greek slaves tutored Roman elite children. <laughs> right. and no one took away their families and yes. destroyed their humanity. Right. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but it was the Christians who said, you can't do what we're doing to indigenous people and to kidnapped Africans to make them into chattel property to create the greatest economic resource in this nation's beginning. You can't do that to human beings, those made in the image of God. So you gotta throw away Imago Dei, throw away the image of God, and say these people are less than human. That was the sin way back when. And, And so the founding principle of this nation was indigenous and black lives don't matter. Right. That's and, what we said. And as a we principle. and I mean we can point. Uh, I mean, uh, of course, there there are lots of sort of uh, narrative examples of, uh, as you point out, in the church, for instance, this, mm-hmm. this struggle over uh, that that decision to mm-hmm. dehumanize these populations. But I mean, we have historical documents that that helped forge this nation that reinforce that. Uh, if you think of the three-fifths compromise uh, in its most sort of naked and literal terms, it is a dehumanization of African-American, uh, uh, at that point, slaves. I mean, uh, you are not a person. You are three-fifths. And for those who think that's just old history, why are you bringing up the old history? <laughs> this past year in Ferguson, one night on the streets talking to a young African-American teenager, he said to me, I still feel like I'm treated like three-fifths of a person. This is very existential to him. This is an old history. So in all our social systems, the original sin still lingers. Our policing, our criminal justice system, education, economics. When we are, you know, Brian Stevenson, who wrote the foreword of the book, Mm -hmm. says, uh, slavery never ended, it just evolved. And so now in mass incarceration, leading to massive uh, voter disenfranchisement, linking those two. Yes. This is a, or, or voter re- regulations that North Carolina just got their, their regulations overturned. And the court said this was a, a deliberate targeting 
of African-American voters. So, so though the dehumanizing, less than racial difference and racial diminishment, this is the original sin, and that's still with us. And for sin, you know, the word in my tradition is repent. <laughs> repent doesn't mean feeling bad or sorry. <laughs> right. That's too easy, right? Yeah. You feel bad, you feel shame, and then you go home and watch TV. Right? <laughs> no, it means turning around and going in a whole new direction. So building a bridge to a new America, which I find a lot of young people really excited about, really yeah. wanting to build that bridge. Yeah. The biggest, as you know well, the biggest political fact in America right now is that we're like 20, 30 years away from from no longer being a white majority sure. nation. Yeah. We're going to be a majority Middle of, of the century, it will be majority minority. And that's underneath all of our politics, underneath the presidential election, underneath immigration reform, underneath the last conversation you, you just had. Yeah. So how are we becoming a new nation, which I think a new generation is really wanting to become? They're eager. They're eager they to are. do that. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Jim Wallace, a social justice activist and author. His latest book is America's Original Sin, Racism, White Privilege, and the Bridge to a New America. Jim is a native Detroiter. He is going to be uh, holding a book event this Sunday at uh, Jesu, uh, the wonderful Catholic uh, parish out at uh, Six Mile and Livernois, uh, 4 p.m. at uh, Jesu, uh, to talk about his book, to talk about uh, this this moment, this racial moment that we are having uh, in the United States of America, where we are, again, sort of coming to reckon with uh, our history and the way it influences modern narratives. Uh, I'm curious uh, from listeners, uh, how do you internalize or how do you hear uh, these these conversations about race? Uh, do you feel accused when people talk about uh, the role that race plays in, in modern American culture and politics uh, and economy? Uh, or do you feel like uh, it's time to, to really sort of acknowledge those things and talk about it and get past it? And when we say get past it, what does that mean? Do you think uh, we can just stop talking about race and maybe these things will go away? Or does get past it mean get through it, uh, confront it? acknowledge and sort of forge a new path into the future. 313-577-1019 is the number to join that conversation. That's 313-577-1019. Jim, I want to sort of focus in on that point I just made about uh, feeling accused, which I think is one of the real problems that, that, that we have when we try to talk about race, uh, that, that if I, for instance, uh, write a column, uh, as I did a few weeks ago, about that voter ID law in mm -hmm. North Carolina that you were talking about, and note that the, the, the Fourth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals uh, went through and, and documented the ways that North Carolina legislators had gone out of their way to figure out which, uh, which restrictions would affect black voters and then put those restrictions in the law and uh, left the others out. Uh, I mean, there, there isn't a whole lot of uh, ambiguity to, to, to what happened there. And yet, if I write a column about that, as I did, uh, the response to me is, why are you talking about race? And uh, you are the racist because you keep bringing this up. It's not about race. It's about politics. Uh, it's about something else. And you are racializing this uh, for your own purposes. 
at the root of those those responses is this feeling of accusation. I think uh, people feel as though my column about that or my discussion about that is accusing them of being part of uh, uh, the systemic and sort of uh, infra, you know sis, uh, institutional racism that exists here in America. And I, I feel like we do have to get past that because. If you feel accused, you're defensive, and it, it's really difficult to get to a space where uh, you're willing to talk and, and discuss and, and think about alternatives. Uh, how, do we, how do we take accusation or the feeling of, of individual accusation out of the equation enough to get people to see that greater context, that we're all part of these systems that reinforce inequality? That's a great question. Uh, I'm speaking as a, a you know, Townhouse Coates talks about those Americans who believe they're white, you know? uh -huh. but I'm speaking in the categories uh, as as a white Christian male. Uh -huh. All kinds of privilege all over that. It gets distracting when people want to make this an individual issue. Flint showed us that racism is in the air we breathe and the water we drink. It's the toxicity of the culture. So for whites to say, wait, I'm not a racist. Am I? I mean, my people came after slaves, or what are you saying about me? And no one, no one is saying that every white person uh, uh, is to blame for everything that's happened to every black person. But here's the principle. To benefit from oppression is to be responsible for changing it. To benefit from it is not that you are accused of doing it all, but is to be responsible for changing it. So yeah. this is how I'm here. I'm here in Detroit, actually, for my 50th high school reunion uh -huh. <laughs> at Southfield High School. Uh -huh. So it's very personal <laughs> being here. And my story about race is very much connected to Detroit. So I'm 15, living in Southfield, which was then a very white world. White school, white church, white And white, white by design. We should make that clear. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, by, let me just say. By the, law and uh, then covenant uh, and then culture. Let's make the point you, you just made. Our racial geography that separates us uh, is not by accident. It's by policy. Yeah. We have been separated from each other by policy. Right. So we don't know each other's stories or each other's stories. So I'm out there, and I'm now 15. I'm paying attention to my city. I'm reading the papers. I'm listening to the news. I'm asking questions. And something very big seemed very wrong in my city, in my country, and nobody in my white world was talking about it. Nobody. So I had to go into the city, and I took jobs alongside young guys in the city my age, but they're black and I was white. And I learned that we had grown up in the, we, we born in the same city, but grown up in different countries. So I'm a Detroit Edison. I'm a janitor making money for college. And, you know, a big, strong guy moving furniture around. And one of my buddies was named Butch. And, and, and he was just like me, loved to move, move furniture. And I'm so old, Steve, that we had elevator operators in those days. That's, that's how old I am. So when they were, the operators were, were sick or on, on vacation, Butch and I would take over. And, and on my breaks, you had to breaks and be an elevator. I would ride up and down with him in his elevator and talk. And his breaks, he'd come and ride up and down with me. Took me home to meet his mother. She's like my mother. She's not militant, political, worried about her son's political views, getting him in trouble. <laughs> and she says, oh, here's all the men in my family have had these issues with the Detroit police. My grandfather, my father, my husband who's passed, and now Butch. And here's, here's what she said to me that, that night. She said, so I tell my kids, if you're lost and can't find your way home, and see a policeman, 
duck under a stairwell, hide behind a building, wait till he passes, and then find your way home. Right. When she said that, I remember this vividly <laughs> 50 years ago. When she said that, my mother's words echoed in my head to her five kids. Yeah. If you ever lost, can't find your way home, look for a find policeman. Find a policeman, yeah. Policeman is yeah. your friend. Yeah. So those experiences Incredible are what gap. change yeah. your worldview. Sure. Yeah. Uh, All right. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Jim Wallace, uh, author of America's Original Sin, Racism, White Privilege, and the Bridge to a New America. And we're going to take our callers, uh, Chuck in Franklin, Philip in Detroit, Harry in Sterling Heights, Tarek in Detroit. We're going to try to get to you next. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. My guest is Jim Wallace, social justice activist and author. His latest book is America's Original Sin, Racism, White Privilege, and the Bridge to a New America. If you want to dialogue more about this subject, uh, go out to Jesu Parish at Livernois and uh, Six Mile. It's this Sunday at 4 p.m. Jim will be there talking about this new book talking about race in America, history, the present, how they connect together. And if you want to join us now, 313-577-1019 is the number, of course. Let's go to Harry in Sterling Heights. Harry. Hey, good morning. Great show. A great discussion. Thank you. Uh, I'm probably about the same age as your guests there and doing a good job. I graduated from Pershing High School in 1968, and we were pretty much half black and half white. And I didn't know blacks were slaves until I went to high school. We all got along. We went through the, uh, the assassination of Martin Luther King and, and, and Bobby Kennedy. We had the race rights. And we all got along together. I don't understand what the problem is. Sometimes you just got to get over it. Look at the Jews. They've been persecuted for 5,000 years, and they always raise on the top. You know, it's amazing. The Jewish people overcome all these obstacles, the genocide of, of uh, the Holocaust, the uh, Spanish Inquisition, the Egyptians. You know, sometimes you just got to pick yourself by the bootstraps and just move on. Uh, Harry, uh, I, I really appreciate your calling and, and, and being so upfront about how you feel about that and, and sharing your thoughts with us. Obviously, I, I would disagree, and I think you probably know that because you listen to the show. Uh, but, but again, I do appreciate you listening to the show, and I appreciate your calling in. Uh, Jim Wallace, tell me why that's uh, well, uh-huh. why Harry's not right. Let's get specific or if he is again right. to Detroit. Uh, Redford Township is where I remember we came back from uh, Chicago. So I was born in Red- Redford and Redford, Redford Township. Now, every everybody in my neighborhood was a veteran from the war, and they got two things. They got a GI Bill, uh-huh. and they got FHA loans, right. which means a free education and your first house. Yes. Okay? The white veterans got Not that. everybody, The right? white <laughs> veterans got that. My dad was a Neil veteran. The black veterans didn't get it. Did not. So Redford Township was a whole neighborhood of three-bedroom ranch houses with white veterans who got new houses and free education. So my government made my white family middle class. Yes. And black veterans didn't get that. That's structural. That's how the Jim Crow laws in the South didn't allow banking policy, didn't allow it. New houses weren't available to black veterans. So right there, right there, 
that's white privilege right, right there. So, so, so we, it, it's not and just getting along. 50 years later, uh, <laughs> there's a gap, an economic gap that traces to that. That uh, house that you get in Redford Township in 1948 or 1950 mm-hmm. uh, appreciates in value, of course. It helps your family build wealth, that wealth that black families were locked out of. And that wealth gap continues today. Sure. So this is where it's not a matter of just all getting along. It's understanding how we have been structured out of relationship to each other. Right. And black lives have meant less than white lives. Yeah. The Black Lives Matter movement isn't just a hopeful movement of young black activists. It is that. I, I've got a deep respect for the young activists leading that. This is about going right to the heart right. of this nation. It's back against It's the, black lives do matter. Yeah. And so this white fragility, I often call it, or whites living with this lie that we're some, somehow, we're, we're just kind of all here, here together, and we just got to get along. It doesn't deal with what's real. So living with a lie is not good for your soul. And, and racism, uh, white supremacy, white privilege, it's an ideology. Yeah. It's, it's an idol. You think about what Harry said about, uh, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, a, a cliche about, you know, the sort of Horatio Alger uh, story. Um, in the example you give, mm-hmm. uh, black people were denied the boots. I mean, that's that's the yeah. that's the sort of bottom line. White people were given the boots to pull themselves up. Education uh, in the house. By, right. That's uh, right. And black people were locked out of it. That's right. Let's go to Ramona in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today, Ramona. Hi there. Hi. Um, I would say that I completely disagree with the previous caller. I, too, um, am a white woman, went to high school in Detroit, um, had different experiences. There were racial issues that happened. I went to Cody High School. But I think that Mr. Wallace's premise is totally right on. Um, I'm a professor at Wayne State and have done research in this area, and I think it continues to be White privilege continues to affect everything, our health care system, our working environment, our relations with the police. Um, I currently have a uh, two nephews. One's African-American, one's white. They both are didn't finish high school. Both have tried to get a job in a factory. And my white nephew has gotten a job. We've tried to get my African-American nephew into this same same factory. Same, They have the exact same background. <laughs> Yeah. their education and he can't get it he they won't hire him yeah and it's totally because he's african i mean no one's saying that but they're bringing up all kinds of other excuses as to why he can't get a job there and it, it, it continues to be this undercurrent that i think we have to have a major conversation yeah. about yeah. everywhere so yeah. i appreciate his book so right. ramona thank you. I, I appreciate uh, appreciate your call uh, last caller here, Tarek. We've got about a minute left, but I want to get you into the show. Tarek, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, Al. Thanks for taking my call. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess my biggest comment I can say in a minute is uh, I think one of the biggest issues for people trying to combat this is having a face for the system, so knowing who's responsible for the issues at play. Uh-huh. And a lot of us, or a lot of people want the easy fix, like who do I go to get this done with um, and be done with it. Um, and so I think one of the biggest things that I would love Jim to speak on a little bit is how we have people in places of privilege to infiltrate those spaces that we can't have access to as people of color um, and and kind of serve as advocates for those who aren't in that, that space. That is a great, 
yeah. allies are about. That is a great point, uh, Tarek. Uh, I'm glad you called uh, and made it. Thank you very much. Uh, unfortunately, Jim Wallace, that's all the time we have. But I do want to thank you for being here and say to the, our listeners, uh, look, if you want to talk more about this with Jim Wallace, go out to uh, Jesu Parish, uh, Six Mile in Livernois. This Sunday at 4, Jim will be there talking about his new book. Jim, We'll talk about here. more what's in people's hearts, what's in the heart of policy. Yes. That has right. to change. That's the issue. How do you change the heart of policy? And that, that finally will change what's in people's hearts. Absolutely. All right. Uh, this is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station. I'll see you next week.